This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. Yo, welcome back to the show. Today, we are diving into the fat loss triangle of awareness. In a nutshell, we could call this personality-based dieting. So this is something, this fat loss triangle of awareness is something we consider when creating nutrition prescriptions for all our online clients and really when making adjustments as well. Um, really, this is the crux of how to get someone to adhere to a successful to a diet successfully. Um, how to actually follow through long enough to achieve the physique outcomes you want. Now, if you're a more advanced individual, or likely if you're a coach, because I know a lot of coaches listen to the show as well, this might more so be applicable to your clients. And then listening to this, if you're someone who's very successfully gotten the physique results you want already, you'll likely realize that um, these are things you're already more or less, you've more or less implemented without really being aware of it. But regardless, if you are a more intermediate to advanced individual looking to kind of apply these concepts, if you're looking to be a better coach to your clients, then I know you'll find this supremely helpful. So before you start dieting, there are basically three crucial things you need to consider to make sure you're able to stick to it for the long haul and actually achieve the physique you've always been chasing. Now, I get it when we're talking about personality-based dieting. I know how this sounds like it reminds me of these, um, Hey, like find your nutrition or find your spirit, your personality, spirit animal. And this is how you should diet. So like, okay, you're the wolf. So you need to fast from six to 9 AM and six to 9 PM. And that's how you achieve fat loss. But your diet needs to match your spirit animal or, uh, kind of getting off topic here, but you get the idea. <laughs> this isn't one of those, um, this isn't one of those episodes. So really when you coach with us, we personalize your nutrition in a number of ways by taking into account things like your diet preference, your goals, your habits and lifestyle, your personality, your training style. I could go on, but you get the idea here. Um, we go to the extreme to customize your nutrition to you because we know adherence is the most important aspect of a nutrition plan that actually gets you results that stick around for a lifetime. So while an unfortunately large amount of dieters will gain the weight back, gaining a deeper understanding of how your personality influences the way you should diet is essentially the antidote here. So today's episode is designed to show you how to create a diet that fits into your lifestyle and will allow smooth sailing to the body composition you've always wanted. All right, so without any further ado, because there has been a lot of ado here, let's dive into the three unique traits you must consider to create a successful diet. So personality trait number one, what are your compliance foods and trigger foods? Figuring out your compliance foods and trigger foods can make your diet easier to adhere to, help you keep calories under control, and make it far more enjoyable. Compliance foods are anything that helps you stick to your diet. Now, the base of your diet, about 80 to 90%, should be made up of nutrient-dense whole foods. So think foods that grew from the earth or had a face at one point, aka protein and produce. But I recommend the other 10 to 20% come from things you identify as your compliance foods. 
Now, compliance foods will be different for each person based on your preferences and taste. Most people skew more towards either sweet or salty foods they enjoy and more towards either carbs or fats. Of course, these always taste best mixed together. But ask yourself, would I rather have potatoes, which is of course a carb, or cheese, which is of course a fat? Would I rather have nuts, fat, or berries, salty or sweet? Whichever of these you have a preference for, you can add that salt, fat, starch, or sugar as a supplement or condiment to your base of protein and produce to help you enjoy them enough that you're not craving other foods. So examples of real life application of this concept would be things like, okay, I'm going to add some cheese to my salad. I'm going to add some cream and or sugar in my coffee. I'm going to have barbecue sauce with my chicken. Um, I'm going to have ketchup on your burger patty. Outside note, I fucking love ketchup. Um, I'm going to have a chocolate square after dinner. You get the picture. These are things that add enough pleasure to your food that it makes sticking to your planned foods enjoyable, but not so enjoyable that it makes you want to overeat it. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, the foods that are so overly palatable that they create an urge to binge or overeat would be your trigger foods. Now, these are things that would pr- you probably shouldn't keep around the house or should likely only keep in pre-portioned containers. Um, so trigger foods will be different for each person, but they're most commonly foods that mix salt, fat, sugar, and or starch. So things like chips, cookies, ice cream, pizza, and donuts. Of course, this doesn't mean you should never have these foods because keeping your diet flexible is about increasing the ability to enjoy meals with friends and family and allowing foods that you love in, but allowing these hard to control foods in your house can make it harder to maintain this lifestyle long-term. So I'd encourage you to make a list of your compliance foods and a list of your trigger foods. This is something our online clients have had great success with and a strategy we recommend the most. Now, from here, we recommend all of our clients stick to whole on processed foods, aka bro foods, 80 to 90% of the time. And then that other 10 to 20% is made up of less nutrient-dense foods. But again, that thing that makes your diet more enjoyable. And really, I'd venture to say that almost every lean insta-fitness model you see eats in a similar way to this. You may think they're eating nothing but dry grilled chicken salads, but everyone needs a little something added in to make their way of eating sustainable and enjoyable enough to stick to for the long term, which is exactly what's required if you want to have a lean physique for the long haul. Now, before I go any further, I also have to credit Andrea for doing such, shout out to Coach Andrea, um, for doing such an amazing job of really formulating all these ideas into like what we now call the fat loss triangle of awareness. I think more than anything, like she conceptualized um, and she wrote a blog on this. So also shout out to, or if you want to read this in blog format rather than listen to it in a podcast format, click the link in the show notes. This is originally a blog that Andrea wrote. Again, love the concepts that she came up with here so much and the way she kind of articulated all these things we've been doing with our clients into these actual very tangible and applicable concepts. So that's also a blog, link in the show notes. And again, shout out to Coach Andrea for basically creating such a dope concept with this. Um, So personality trait number two, are you an abstainer or a moderator? So the concept of classifying yourself as an abstainer or moderator came from author Gretchen Rubin. And really, um, Andrew, again, was the one that after reading about this concept, really started using it to apply to clients to help design their environment to make the diet easier to stick to. So the names here are pretty self-explanatory. 
Abstainers do better with abstinence. So for example, mostly avoiding the food, moderators are able to moderate more easily. So for example, consistently having a food available to eat in moderation. Gretchen Rubin describes them this way. You're an abstainer if you, one, have trouble stopping something once you've started, two, aren't tempted by things that you decided are off limits. On the flip side, you're a moderator if, one, you find that occasional indulgence heightens your pleasure and strengthens your resolve. Two, you get panicky at the thought of never getting or doing something. So for moderators, having a small piece of chocolate after dinner makes their diet so much more enjoyable. So it's easier to stick to that diet. They have no problem stopping after one small piece. For abstainers, one small chocolate after dinner is just enough to piss them off and make them want 20 chocolates. So you probably already know at this point which type you are, but let's dive in a bit further. So next, I would have to ask, have you ever decided you're never having blank food or drink again? So whether that's sugar, alcohol, bread, cheese, or anything else you've sworn off, think about your immediate thoughts following that declaration. If they were relief, you're an abstainer. If it was anxiety, panic, or craving for that thing, you're a moderator. So another example that may help is Halloween candy or really any other type of food that you find yourself with an abundance of at some point. If you're the person who can have one or two pieces daily and it lasts until Easter, you're a moderator. If you're the person who eats either 10 pieces at once or throws it all away so you don't eat 10 pieces at once, you're an abstainer. Now, it's also important to point out that you can be an abstainer with some foods, but a moderator with others. So for again, Andrea used the example of being a moderator with most things, but an abstainer with trail mix and some other salty and sweet mixed snacks. You have to find out for yourself what you're an abstainer with and what you're a moderator with. So based on what we've discussed here, a few strategies we use with online clients to help them design their environment for success based on their personality types. So if you're a moderator, first decide which foods you want to keep around that will help make your diet more enjoyable. Second, have small amounts of whatever at whatever interval you decide on and log it in your food log. So for example, I'll have one Hershey's Kiss after lunch and one after dinner. I'll log it in my fitness pal before anything else. Finally, don't attempt any diets that completely cut out any one food or food groups. For abstainers, one, don't keep trees in your house. Rather, go out for them when you want them. Two, plan for less frequent but more substantial treat meals. Three, don't cut out entire foods, but design your environment so that the harder to control foods aren't near you at all times. And really considering these qualifiers, which type would you say you are? I would say for me personally, I am likely, I'm a lot more of an abstainer than I am a moderator. Moderation in almost all things is um, very much a challenge. And I think specific to food, like this is why for me, I know then this idea of environment design was so helpful. And this is why it's something that we talk about with our clients so much as well. Like how can I design my environment to put myself in a situation that requires less willpower and specific to food. There's a lot of different hacks we can use to make that happen Um, because otherwise it's just so damn easy. Or for me, it's very hard to do things like this in moderation. Now, one final exercise we'd like to have clients use to find their moderation foods and their abstainer foods is creating a red, yellow, green list. 
And again, if you are someone who is a coach yourself, or you're just a more advanced individual interested in helping others with their nutrition, helping others get to where you're at, this can be a, be a very helpful practice. So step one, we'll have a client write down three columns with the titles red, yellow, and green. Step two, under the red column, they'll write down all the foods they either A, have a hard time eating small portions of, B, don't digest well, C, don't think we'll take them closer to their goals. D, find makes them feel worse after eating. Now, step three, under the green column, the write down all the foods they, A, can have in small portions without craving more. B, digest really well. C, think we'll take them closer to their goals. D, feel great after eating. E, love the taste of. And then finally, under the yellow column, they'll write down foods that fall somewhere in between. These may cause a small amount of bloat, but are healthy. So for example, Brussels sprouts are one that cause a decent amount of bloat for many individuals, but also we can consider them healthy. Or they can have small portions and leave the rest, but it's not taking them closer to their goals. So from here, with your green foods, I recommend buying these each time you go shopping. Keep them stocked up in your fridge and pantry at all times, and create meals centered around these. With your yellow foods, it's smart to buy these in pre-portioned packages, keep them in opaque containers or out of sight in the pantry, or just buy them on occasion. And with your red foods, it's probably smart to not keep these in your house. These are things that better that are likely better kept as a treat when going out, specifically for that food. So for example, um, we all love ice cream, but I know for me personally, it's not a good idea to keep it at home. So if I want to go get ice cream, I'll go out, I'll go like, I can go through a drive-through and I can order a specific portion, small or medium portion. And like once that's gone, I can't eat anymore. Um, because with that food, I'm an abstainer. Now this has worked really well for a lot of our clients. Again, I can't recommend enough. If you are a more advanced individual and all this kind of comes naturally to you, absolutely share this idea with someone that is struggling because I guarantee it'll help. All right, and then personality trait number three, motivation should determine diet speed. Now, we always preach that motivation will come and go. It's more of an emotion than a thing you can acquire, but you can determine how aggressive you should be with your deficit based on previous experience. Now, if you have a specific performance goal or aesthetic goals like a powerlifting competition or a physique show, those should take precedence over your motivation type. But if you don't fall into these categories, use it to your advantage. So if you've tried the longer, slower diets in the past and you get demotivated by slow progress, you may need a bigger deficit to start seeing some quick progress. If you're someone who is motivated by quick progress and doesn't need a lifestyle approach to work around social events and the like, you might even start your diet out at a 20 to even 30% calorie deficit. It will be a very aggressive diet and straight up it'll be harder to stick to, but you'll see quick progress and you can get in and out of the diet faster. So um, for someone using this approach whose maintenance calories are, let's say 2000 calories per day, you would start out anywhere from 1400 to 1600 calories. So again, much more aggressive, but if you are motivated by quick progress more than anything else, and we can get like, okay, the first couple weeks, oh wow, I already saw such quick changes. You're very bought into the process, you're excited, and you will continue to see results. Whereas if you're motivated by quick progress, and right out of the gate, we start you off very slow, you're less likely to buy in, um, you're more likely to fall off the wagon. 
Now, going back to the other personality traits, this is an approach where you may have to cut out even some of your compliance foods because there just isn't enough wiggle room in your macros for them. You may also need to use more of an abstainer approach, even if it's against your nature. Now, on the other hand, if you tried aggressive diets and get burned out by the steep deficit, you may need a longer, slower approach. So if you're this person, it'd probably be smart to start out in a 10 to 20% calorie deficit. So for example, someone using this approach whose maintenance calories were around 2,000 calories per day would start out anywhere from 1,600 to 1,800 calories per day on this approach. Now, someone who wants to use a slower cutting approach will be able to keep more compliance foods in their diet and can work around more social events, but will also need to have more patience because you are seeing slower progress. So really too many people try to shoehorn themselves into a diet that doesn't fit their personality or their lifestyle, which is exactly why so many diets fail. A moderator probably shouldn't try Whole30. Someone whose daily latte brings them joy probably shouldn't cut out dairy or coffee. This is a factor we have to take into account with every client because some people will need that extra flexibility in their diets for lots of weddings, parties, or weekend drinks but others will need to see the scale drop quickly for a bit in order to really get excited about the process. There are no right or wrong answers here, only different understandings about yourself to use to your advantage in your diet. We have to decide, or you have to decide, I should say, for yourself or with the help of a coach, how to balance these and individualize them into the diet that fits you best. Now, if you're sick of guessing when it comes to your nutrition and are ready to start the process of truly achieving your best physique ever, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with our team. We apply proven science-backed nutrition and training methods through individualized coaching to help you get the body you want and teach you how to keep it for a lifetime. All right, team. And that is all I have for you for today. As always, thank you for tuning in.